morning. I'm Michael Flake, one of the pastors here. Great to be together as a church family, whether you're cautious about Jesus, curious about Jesus, or committed to Jesus. There's room for you here. This is a safe place to learn, to grow, and to change. So long as you don't have it all together, you'll fit right in. The round reminds us that we're all active participants as we stay on this journey together. We're all here to receive something this morning. We also all have something to give. So as we soak in the grace and truth of God's love, we can also spread that love by serving others. A way you were served this morning you may not even be aware of, but uh, the person who uh, was supposed to let us into the school uh, was 30 to 45 minutes late this morning. So setup team, the worship team, the operations folks have been hoofing it to, put, to, to, to make it all happen. So a way you didn't know you were even served, but very nice to be together. Today is a fun day for us because we are commissioning our uh, short-term missionaries. This summer, we are sending in about a week a team to uh, Abaco Island in the Bahamas to work with missionaries there. A week after that, we're sending a team to uh, Bolivia to work with a ministry that cares for orphans there. And then in July, we're sending folks on the uh, Access to Success A2S trip to Nigeria. And then we know others who are part of uh, trips either through school or through another church or something like that. So at the conclusion of the service today, Gray, one of our other pastors, is going to come and uh, lead us in commissioning our, our short-term missionaries. But I thought we might take a moment to just kind of demystify what this whole going on a mission trip thing is and means. And so I've asked one of the people going to come and share a little bit of, of his story. So uh, it went very well at 8.15 and 9.30, so this is it. This is the, the third time at bat. It's going to go excellently. Will you join me in welcoming Will Stamey? Hello. All right. Third time's the charm, so here That's we right. go. All right. Uh, season's greetings, y'all. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Will Stamey, and I'm here to talk about my God story and my upcoming trip to the Bahamas. So, quick side note about me, uh, I work with the middle schoolers here at church, and I just want to say what a blessing that has been in my life uh, the past few years. Being a part of that ministry has changed my life and has put me closer to the Lord than ever before. Uh, thank you to all the parents um, for raising such wonderful children and instilling God's Word into their lives. I could probably tell stories all day about how incredible those children are, but don't have time. So anyway, back to the mission trip. During Welcome 101, Caleb White, who was in charge of youth ministry at the time, came up to me and asked if I wanted to help lead middle schoolers for the upcoming year. And without even thinking, I opened my mouth and said, yes. Uh, now prior to that, I had never worked with middle schoolers and honestly tried to stay out of that. I mean, middle school wasn't exactly the glory years for myself or anyone else. Um, nobody's claim to fame is that they peaked in middle school. So, <laughs> but anyway, I stuck with it. Now middle school ministry is something I absolutely love doing. Uh, for me, what used to be a, yeah, I go to church on Sundays, no big deal sort of attitude has changed into a, I get to go to church and I get to go to church and tell the youth about Jesus and how much he loves them and how awesome he is. I wouldn't change that for anything. So fast forward three years to February 2019 uh, and another cool ministry opportunity comes my way. Grace starts to advertise for the upcoming missions trip, and I listened and didn't think much about it until after the service, Gray came up to me and said, hey, your name came to mind while I was talking. I think you should go on the trip. 
Once again, without thinking, I just said yes. Uh, I had no idea who else was going or have any idea what we're doing, but once I found out um, a few of the families of my middle schoolers were going and that we would be serving with the youth organization, I knew I made the right choice. Uh, opening my mouth to say yes to anything youth-related seems to be a pattern. Um, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to serving with this group and loving on the people of Abaco. I know that our time spent there will not be wasted, and everything we say and do will be unto the Lord. So, thank you. Oh. Thank you so much, Will. Beautifully done. Beautifully done. Well, I know we've all had this experience, but I will never forget the first time I was welcomed to a new neighborhood by a drug dealer. <laughs> I was uh, in college. I uh, was trying to figure out what following Jesus meant for my life, and so I had my doubts, but I still had my faith, and so I decided to live, uh, spend the summer and live in the poorest part of my hometown, Memphis, Tennessee, and serve with a ministry that worked in the youth, with the youth of this community. So because of historic segregation patterns in Memphis, the community was all black, but it was half African American, half African refugee. And the ministry reflected this as well. It was about half and half. Growing up in my part of town, you would occasionally hear comments about this area of town, and the general consensus was, don't go there after dark. Really don't go there in the light. Really don't go there. Well, the ministry leader who led this, the ministry I'd be working with, he lived in the community, and he said, Mike, everything's going to be fine so long as you stay on the main roads. But once you get onto the side streets, people will think you're there to buy drugs. Because the only reason we see white people on the side streets is that they're there to buy drugs. So everything will be fine so long as you stay on the main roads, but once you cross the boundary, that's when it's going to change. So I turn off the main road onto a side street. I drive up to the house where I'm going to live uh, for the summer. I look in my rearview mirror and I see a man approaching my car. And I get out, and he says, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were somebody else. Now, I later learned that this man was a small business owner trying to have fewer assets tied up in inventory. <laughs> I didn't know this at the time. Uh, but I said, hey, I'm Mike, and I'm going to be living here this summer and all this sort of stuff. And he says, oh, cool, welcome to the neighborhood. Who needs the welcome wagon? I was officially welcomed to the neighborhood. The ministry leader was right. When things got a little crazy was once I had crossed the boundary, once I had crossed the dividing line. And we live in a world that is full of physical boundaries. We talk about people coming from the other side of the tracks. Our political parties in Congress are separated by an aisle. It's a physical boundary. So even when we talk about working across the aisle, we, we describe it with a physical boundary. We have different school district lines. We have different county lines. At every school cafeteria, there are unspoken lines about who can and cannot sit where. We have national lines. We have languages to reinforce the lines. Human beings have created all kinds of lines. 
and we don't dare cross the lines, and in fact, sometimes we get a little preoccupied with our side of the line. So what does it mean to follow Jesus in a world full of human-drawn lines? What will happen when Jesus calls us to cross over those boundaries? What will happen when Jesus calls us to be boundary breakers or to be boundary bridgers? Is that when everything is going to change? Today we want to continue in a series of sermons called, as you might have deduced, Follow Me. This is the invitation that Jesus makes to all of us. Jesus says, follow me. Leave behind the life that you know and live life with me at the center. Follow me. Follow me is an invitation to a relationship and it's an invitation to a different way of life. Follow me is Jesus' invitation to a relationship. In other words, to have a relationship with Jesus, to journey with Jesus. But in doing so, he's also inviting us to a different way of life. Because a relationship with Jesus will change us. It will make our life different. It will make our life better than what we had imagined for ourselves. Today we want to look at the passage Pete read earlier from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. In this passage, we're going to see something that Jesus and his first followers did, and the idea is that if you follow Jesus, or if in the future you come to follow Jesus, this is something you can do too. You can follow Jesus. So we're going to start today with one of the most controversial verses of the whole Bible. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 says this, That day when evening came, he, that's Jesus, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Can you feel the controversy? I may have to back up and explain why this is such a controversial verse. Uh, Jesus' ministry happened in the Middle East, and a lot of it happened in the part of the Middle East called the Sea of Galilee. But it's not actually a sea, it's a lake. It'd be like if we called it the Sea of Norman, right? It's a lake. So, On one side of the lake, you have the Jewish people. These are the people who worship God. They live according to the Old Testament. They live on the Jewish side of the lake. And in fact, Jesus and his first followers were all Jewish, and many of these first disciples actually grew up around the Sea of Galilee on the Jewish side of the Sea of Galilee. On the other side of the lake or of the sea is the Gentile side. Now, Gentile just means the not Jewish side. So, these people do not worship God. They do not live according to the Old Testament. Good Jewish boys and girls knew there was no reason to be on the Gentile side of the lake, certainly not after dark. So, here you've got Jesus, and Jesus is looking out at the Sea of Galilee, this physical boundary, this physical barrier between two groups of people, and Jesus says this, let's go to the other side. Now, if you're one of Jesus' first disciples, what are you thinking? This is a horrible idea. And you have good reason to think that, right? You you didn't sign up to follow Jesus on the Gentile. You signed up to follow Jesus on the Jewish side of the lake. There's plenty of problems and needs on your side of the lake. There's plenty to be done on your side of the lake. You didn't sign up to be a boundary breaker. You didn't sign up to be a boundary bridger. Verse 34, 36 says, Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. 
There were also other boats with him. So you have this image of Jesus being in a crowd. There are other boats out on the Sea of Galilee, out on the lake. But then they start to sail to the other side of the lake, and things start to get quieter, a little lonelier, more solitude out on a vast sea. Verse 37, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? So Jesus is at the end of a long day of ministry. The Bible says he has fallen asleep in the stern of the boat, which I believe is the back. Uh, One person is nodded. That is the back. Okay, I'm no Gilligan here. Okay. So Jesus, actually someone pointed out the 930 service, I would be Gilligan if I didn't know the stern was the back. Deep, real deep people at that 930 service. So he's asleep in the back of the boat after a long day of ministry, and the Bible says, what the Bible says, a furious squall. So a a violent storm comes up. The Bible says a furious squall. I would encourage you to find some way to work that into a sentence by the end of the day. Furious squall. Man, it's hot out here. Wouldn't it be nice if we had a furious squall? This violent storm arises, so much so that the boat starts to fill up with water. Jesus and his disciples are in a dangerous situation, and so the disciples go and wake Jesus up, and they're angry because they don't say, hey, Jesus, we need your help. They say, Jesus, don't you care if we drown? Now, what are they so angry about? I think they're upset because they think they're going to drown because of Jesus' little pet project about going to the other side of the lake. That wasn't their idea. They thought it was a horrible idea. And here they are in this waterlogged boat about to die because of Jesus' wild idea and his big heart. Let's go to the other side. Now let me add a God layer or sort of a theology layer on top of this. Because as Jewish people, which the original disciples were, they would have been familiar with and likely have studied a lot of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there is a famous storm that is very similar to what's happening to the disciples. And it is found in the book of the Bible called Jonah, Jonah chapter 1. We actually studied the book of Jonah uh, about a year and a half ago. In Jonah chapter 1, Jonah is going somewhere. He has no business going. God has told him not to go to this place, and he starts going to it. And so the way God prevents him from getting there is he sends a violent storm, what you might call a furious squall. Well done. And so God sends a violent storm to keep him from getting to this place. So if you're the disciples and the storm comes up, Not only do you not want to go to the other side of the lake, you may now start to think God doesn't want you to go to the other side of the lake. You might think that God is giving you the Jonah treatment. And so here you are about to drown in this boat because you're not supposed to to go to the Gentile side of the lake. Jesus, don't you care if we drown? It is time to give up on your little mission of going to the other side of the lake and turn this boat around. How does Jesus respond to all this? Verse 39, he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, 
be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This must have been a mind-blowing experience for the disciples because they don't want to go to the other side of the lake. And now at least some of them would be convinced God doesn't want them to go to the other side of the lake. It's time to turn back. So Jesus stands up. His deep and compassionate eyes are still fixed on the Gentile side of the lake. And Jesus says in this very Jesus sort of way, stop it. Now, the disciples, I imagine, probably first thought Jesus was talking to them. They're some pretty rough characters. I imagine they got into some scrapes with each other along the way. And so now Jesus is, is challenging them, so they may think they're about to come to blows. But when they start to look around, they realize Jesus wasn't talking to us. He told the wind to stop it. He told the rain to stop it. And the wind had stopped, and the rain had stopped. And it's this wild image of the disciples and Jesus being in a water-filled boat on a completely calm sea. At that point, I imagine looking at each other and just sort of saying, how did we get here? Who is this we're following? So I grew up in church. I grew up at a great church. I've heard this passage taught on a few times. Sometimes the takeaway is that nature obeys Jesus, that Jesus has power over creation. Jesus is not part of creation. Jesus has power over creation. He is the creator. Jesus is the God of all creation who came to earth, made himself human to reconcile humanity to God. And that's a great takeaway. Jesus has power over nature because he is creator, not creation. Sometimes the takeaway will be that Jesus is with us in the storms of our lives, and at just the right moment when we are ready to give up, Jesus is going to calm the storm. And the only explanation will be the miraculous power of Jesus and how deeply He loves us. That's a great takeaway. At just the right time, Jesus will calm the storms of our lives. But when you look at the overarching flow of the ministry of Jesus, the passage has a point that I've always missed. And in fact, I would say that whatever else we can learn from this account, the most important takeaway is to acknowledge that nothing is going to keep Jesus and his followers from reaching the other side of the lake. Nothing is going to keep Jesus and his followers from reaching the other side of the lake. Nothing is going to stop Jesus from crossing this physical boundary. Nothing is going to stop Jesus from being a boundary breaker, being a boundary bridger. Jesus is laying the foundation of his ministry. He's laying the foundation of the whole Jesus movement, which is today the most diverse movement of people in all of human history. Jesus is deeply concerned about the Jewish people and the Jewish side of the lake, but Jesus is also really concerned about the Gentile people and the Gentile side of the lake. So when Jesus says, let's go to the other side of the lake, that's not a passing fancy for him. Let's go to the other side of the lake is the core statement of Jesus' mission on earth. Now, the disciples don't know that yet. 
But let's go to the other side of the lake is the core statement of Jesus' mission on earth. And the point of the sermon here today is that Jesus did not do this alone. Jesus took his first disciples with him. Even today, Jesus does not travel alone. He wants to take his disciples, his followers, with him. So that if you follow Jesus, or if you ever come to follow Jesus, he wants you to follow him across dividing lines, across physical boundaries. He wants you to take a risk, but take a risk in Jesus' name. Jesus invites his followers to serve the needs of people and to share the good news and to do so on both sides of the lake. Jesus invites his followers to serve the needs of people and to share the good news, the good news being that you can be eternally reconciled to God through Jesus. You don't have to live apart from God. You don't have to be afraid that God hates you. You can live in an eternal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Those two words mean the same thing. It depends how you translate one word in Greek. But it's the same word. So Jesus wants his followers to serve the needs of people and to share the good news on both sides of the lake, on both sides of the tracks, on both sides of the aisle, to the school you're zoned to and to the school you hope you're never zoned to. Willing to cross national borders, languages, to share the good news of Jesus, to look people in the eye and say, you are valuable and I choose to serve you. And when you read the rest of the book of Mark, you'll see this is actually what happens, that Jesus develops followers on both sides of the lake. In fact, the passage right after the one we're studying today is the passage, if you've been here long enough, you've heard us teach on it, the passage where um, there's the demon-possessed man, and Jesus sends the demons out of the man into the pigs, and the pigs run and drown in the lake. It's the same lake. It's the Sea of Galilee is what they drowned in. But that's on the Gentile side of the lake, and that man follows Jesus. And in fact, he wants to come back to the Jewish side of the lake with Jesus, and Jesus says, no, you need to follow me. Stay right where you are. <laughs> Tell other people about me. And so you start to see followers of Jesus on both the Jewish and Gentile side of the lake. Then Jesus goes back to the Jewish side of the lake and feeds 5,000 people. Then he goes back to the Gentile side of the lake and feeds 4,000 people. And in both cases, he gave the food to his disciples to give to the people. I think part of why he did that was so his disciples would have to look 4,000 Gentiles in the eye. Because once you look 4,000 Gentiles in the eye, you start to realize why Jesus couldn't take his eyes off their side of the lake. The Bible describes eternity with God this way. You may have heard descriptions of heaven that don't make you all that eager to want to go there. That may be because they're not from the Bible. This is what the Bible says about eternity with God. Revelation 7, 9. It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. 
And together, this great multitude of people, an uncountable multitude of people, worship God. It is this ragtag family that is assembled together from every nation, every ethnic group, every political persuasion, every subculture. The different colors create a work of art. The different languages create a symphony. It is a family brought together by the Lamb. The Lamb is a symbol for Jesus Christ because He sacrificed Himself for you. He sacrificed Himself for me. He sacrificed Himself for an uncountable multitude that we would be reconciled to God, that we could worship God with our lives on earth, that we could worship God in our lives after earth, in eternity, that we could live different lives, better lives than we would have even imagined for ourselves. I think about the disciples being, you know, I, I knee-deep, ankle-deep, whatever, in water in this boat on a completely calm sea, thinking to themselves, how did we get here? And my prayer for you is that at some point in your life, you will have one of those moments of astonishment as well. And you will be somewhere, you will be doing something, you'll have some situation, and you will almost get to stand back and see yourself in it and and wonder, how did I get here? And in that moment of astonishment, you will realize, well, it's because I'm following Jesus. That's how I got here. Jesus is at work on all sides of the lake. Jesus is at work on all sides of every boundary, on every division. Jesus didn't draw the lines. Jesus does not respect the lines. Storms will not stop him. Hatred will not stop him. Stubbornness will not stop him. Apathy will not stop him. Nothing is going to stop Jesus. Jesus is at work on all sides of every dividing line, and he invites you, he invites me to join him. Follow me, Jesus says. Let's go to the other side of the lake. So the question I would ask you and me to reflect on as I wrap up my part of the service is this, what is the lake that Jesus has called you to cross with Him? What is the lake that Jesus has called you to cross with Him? An actual physical boundary. In your life, in your family, at your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, in our town, in our country, in our world, what is the lake that Jesus is asking you, is calling you to cross with Him? Whether it makes you afraid or excited, whether you'll do it solo or in a group, even if some of your Christian friends think you have lost your mind, what is the lake? that Jesus is asking you, has called you to cross with Him, with Him, with Him, with Him. I'm emphasizing something here, with Him, with Him. In other words, not under your own power, but relying on Jesus every step of the way. Now, for some of you, that question may sort of come out of left field today. You don't even know where to start. You've never really thought about it that way. I would say a first step, if that's where you are, is just to open up that conversation with God, to be willing to have the conversation, to be willing to listen, 
to, to be willing to, to even entertain, to ask God to help you see the world through a different set of eyes, eyes that are more like the eyes of Jesus, so that you could see some of these lines, maybe lines you've grown so accustomed to you even forgot they were there. But to see the world through different eyes, to begin to listen to how God stirs your heart, your soul, the way that He impacts you as you read and study Scripture, as you're taught Scripture. Have a conversation with a wise friend who's a little further in the faith than you are and, and, and hear what they might say about it. What I love about Will's story is sort of the like, I said yes. If I could sum up the Christian faith in like a bumper sticker, that might be it. I said yes. Where were you going? Not totally sure. What are you going to do? Didn't totally know. Can you imagine the story that we'll tell a week or two from now when he comes back? I said yes. Sometimes we're like, God, if you give me a detailed five to ten year plan, I'll know if I should sign on or not. I got, I got bad news if that's your, uh, modus, your plan there. I, I've never known God to work that way. Every once in a while, you may hit the lottery on that. Generally, when you follow Jesus, you do it one step at a time. Here's what you see, and you say yes. And you just follow one step at a time. So I guess that's the point I'm ending on. It can be a really scary thing to say yes to God. It can be a really beautiful thing to say yes to God. Let's pray together. Let me give you a chance to pray, a chance to talk to God, to listen to God about whatever He's stirring up in your heart or in your mind. Just take this moment for personal prayer. Lord, I do thank you for our congregation, for every person in it. For the places you have planted us, for the opportunities you've given us. Lord, I pray for us as we are boundary breakers or boundary bridgers in Jesus' name. We can get so focused on the people standing at the shore thinking we've lost our minds. We can get focused on the storms that come our way. Lord, I pray our focus would stay on the one who called us into the boat in the first place. The one who said, follow me, let's go to the other side of the lake. 
So I pray that we would be drawn closer to Jesus through all of these circumstances. And that we would see you do amazing work. And we would be quick to give the credit, the glory back to you. Lord, I pray for those of us today who feel adrift, who feel like we, we don't have a family where we belong. I pray we would hear the invitation of Jesus saying, follow me. I'm inviting you into a relationship. I'm inviting you into a different way to live. I'm inviting you into that eternal, uncountable multitude. I pray our answer would be that scary and exciting yes. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship God with our voices, with our offering, with our prayer requests.